I've actually thought it was like really limiting for people to think like, okay, you're doing one thing and now you're a tech executive or you're a beverage executive. Like they're so quick to like put you in this hole, right? Or I'm a mom. And it's not that you aren't proud of those things. It's just kind of like, I wish we weren't so quick to grab onto something, you know, that you think somebody is, I guess, is the net of it. This is the CMO and Joe podcast. We interview today's most inspiring chief marketing officers and savvy marketers of lucrative direct-to-consumer e-commerce companies, bringing you insightful stories and tips on marketing, sales, branding, and much more. We bring you the best lessons from the best. Let's get started with your host, Joe Momo. We are live. Welcome to the podcast, Karen. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah, no, I'm super excited to have you on the podcast. Obviously, you're the founder and CEO of the award-winning Hint Water, and you're also an author coming up. You have a book coming out pretty quickly. But before we get into all that, how about you give us a little origin story who Kara is and what you're currently up to? Yeah, so I'm I'm the founder and CEO of Hint, and uh, this is actually our original. I'm having a pineapple right now. It's our original uh, product, and. Basically, I started the company now 15 years ago, which is insane. Um, But careful what happens when you're having fun or something like that, right? Uh, So, you know, started the company. I I hadn't had any beverage experience. I was really looking at it from a consumer perspective and trying to get myself to drink water. So I started slicing up fruit and threw it in water and at home in my kitchen. And I thought, why are there all these products out there that are trying to like trick people like diet soda, which was my problem or vitamin water or, you know, all these things that are like kind of tricking people to think that they're healthier than they are. And um, again, I had been drinking so much diet soda for years and years and years and never really thought about it. And when I was trying to get healthy uh, after I'd had a few kids, I four teenagers now, but at the time I was, you know, looking at like, why had I fallen into this trap? And that was really when I decided I don't want to be here anymore. I want to like, you know, take my health back. And again, there wasn't anything like, you know, diagnosis or anything like that. It was really kind of this epiphany that I had that like I had changed. I really was having a hard time losing weight. I didn't have as much energy, didn't feel that great, but I just didn't think that it was really what I was putting inside my body. And that's when I, you know, really woke up and, and, um, thought, gosh, if I could actually have this product in the store, then I would buy it. I drink it. It would like encourage me to drink more water. And the longer I sort of looked at that, I had been a tech executive. I wasn't you know, like I said, a beverage or consumer products. For me, it was really that epiphany that kind of led me to say, you know, I don't know. I don't know what will happen. I think it'd be really fun if I just tried to like get it on the shelf at Whole Foods initially. And then, you know, now we're nationwide and thousands and thousands of doors. And so for me, I think it was, um, you know, kind of that, uh, that theme of trying that I should just like go and see what happens and what's the worst that can happen. That's what my dad used to always say to me. And, um, and you know, today we're the 
largest non-alcoholic beverage in the country that doesn't have a relationship with um, Coke, Pepsi, or Dr. Pepper Snapple. Um, you know, we've sort of, we never knew the rules. And so we sort of like just made stuff up as we went along to kind of grow it into, you know, what we are today. And um, yeah, so that's the backstory on it. That's really awesome. Uh, I mean, as a former athlete, I, I always look for uh, healthy alternatives to, to pop in. Uh, yeah, my fiance loves, loves hints and she always raves about it. Um, but stepping back a little bit, you mentioned that your father always says, what's the worst that can happen? Uh, were you always an entrepreneurial kid growing up or how did you get into entrepreneurship? It's always easy to look back in time and, and say like, oh yeah, for sure. Like, you know, looking through the rearview mirror a little bit on, on life. I mean, I definitely, I wouldn't have called myself an entrepreneur. Like, I don't know, there was always these, these kids at school that were, you know, winning the science fair and stuff that I thought, oh, for sure, they're going to go be an entrepreneur. But that definitely wasn't me. Um, you know, I, I liked going to the science fairs, but I wasn't sort of showing up. But I did other ways, like a friend of mine that actually grew up with me, reached out to me on Facebook a few months back and reminded me about this camp that we had set up. Uh, I grew up in Arizona, so summers are hot. And I had this idea to um, have this camp that we would invite kids to come to the camp. And the whole like mission and project was to build a town. And uh, like I called her and I said, Robin, like we're going to build a town and like when, and we're going to invite these kids and we'll charge them $5 like a day to come to this camp. And we'll like the town will consist of, um, these, these large like cardboard boxes that you get at the grocery store that had, you know, sort of housed the, um, the toilet paper and the paper towels and we'll get a bunch of those boxes and then we'll build these things and it'll be so much fun and we can color them and, you know, figure out ways to put them together and whatever. And so she was like, okay, I'm game. And then, and then she was like, okay, so how are we going to get the people? And I'm like, oh, we'll just make a sign and we'll hold it up like on the street corner. And she was like, okay. And it like worked. And so she, I had sort of forgotten about it, but there were all kinds of crazy stories like that come up along the way, especially through social media where I'm like, oh my God, I remember that now. Like it's all, it all comes back, you know, to haunt you. Right. But, um, but you know, I think things like that, like, I don't know. I just, I never really knew what I was doing and I was sort of okay with that. And I was just, but I would make stuff up. And I think my big, um, kind of motivation there. I had, uh, I was the last of five kids and I had brothers and sisters that were, you know, I, I had a sister and brother that were two and three years older than me, still have a sister and brother. They're two, three years older than me. But, um, then I have this like almost other set of my family that is 15 and 16 years older. And so they were, they were, they had jobs, you know, they were off doing their thing. And I'm like, they, they like have all this money, right. That they can go, you know, it wasn't a lot of money, but back then to me, it seemed like a lot of money where they were, you know, they were working and I was like, you know, eight years old. And I'm like, why can't I work? Like, I, I was like, that's, that's not fair. And, you know, and so that was me as a, as a kid. And I think, you know, again, there's, um, I mean, I talk a little bit about that stuff in, in my book. Um, this is, I have a copy of it right here. Undaunted, um, undaunted, 
uh, overcoming doubts and doubters. But the, you know, the real core of it really stems, I think, from feeling like people always ask me along the way when I've been building Hint, did I ever have doubts or they assume that I never, like, never failed or, um, or, you know, really had no fears. And I thought, if I can actually share with people that not only do I have doubts and not only do I have fears, but the best like athletes do, um, I've met many of them, including, you know, leaders have the same thing. Um, not, not only entrepreneurs, um, have these issues. And so things like that, where I feel like if I can actually debunk this myth about, you know, successful people don't have doubts or, you know, they never have fears or failures, then that will hopefully like set people on the right path to go and do what ultimately they're meant to do. I love that. I love that, Kara. I mean, a lot of our listeners are aspiring entrepreneurs or even entrepreneurs themselves. But I know for me personally, I definitely suffered from or still suffer from imposter syndrome and doubts and the little voices in your head about, oh, you can't do this, you can't do that. So it's really refreshing to see somebody as successful as yourself um, kind of go through the same process. Uh, You mentioned a book. What's maybe one example of maybe a doubt or some doubters that and how'd you overcome that? Yeah, so many um, great examples of that. But I think just just actually launching the product. And, you know, when I was, I didn't have beverage experience and I, you know, sort of knew that the place where I bought my drinks was at the grocery store. And so I went into the grocery store and, you know, started talking to people that were stocking the shelves or I saw people like they didn't look like they worked at the store, but maybe they worked for one of the brands and started chatting with them. And, and, you know, the more I talked to people, I felt like my own doubts shined through about like, they'd be like, Oh, why don't you know, you know, who the buyer is or whatever. And I'd be like, Oh, I don't have any experience. I, you know, I have no idea what I'm doing. And then they'd be like, Oh, well, you're going to fail anyway. You shouldn't even try. And so I would almost set them up to doubt me too. Um, and, and then what I realized is that they don't know anything more than me, right? Like they're, they're just like, they're working for some big brand and somebody that's gone out and done something. But ultimately, you know, that big brand had to start somewhere. So I thought maybe if I just go try, um, but again, you know, you've got the imposter syndrome, the, the doubts going in your head, something that I've always, you know, that's an example, but also just, I've said to people along the way too, that, you know, the challenge is, is, you know, whether you talk to the guy that's stocking the shelves and sort of has lots of experience, um, you know, that executive that, has plenty of experience that you encounter or, you know, family members are the worst. Like you can sit here and say, ah, I think I'm, I don't know. I think I'm going to go play pro football or whatever. And, you know, it sounds great. And they're like, you'll never get there. Right. Like, you know, like they're the worst. Cause they, they, they actually think that's what you want. Right. Like they think they, they think they're helping you cause they don't want to see you like get let down. But that, but I think, 
that's the thing. Like it feeds into this insecurity, this, you know, fear of falling, right? All of those, those things along the way. And so, you know, I think that the difference between people that are really successful and the ones that, um, you know, have really like, have decided that it's that they're going to just go and do something is the fact that they do go try and they're not it doesn't mean that they don't have these failures it means that they figure out how to get it in check right and move forward and that that is the you know over and over and over again the things everything from you know that story and actually getting a product on the shelf at whole foods to um, to getting my first job. I mean, I, there's a story in there about, I wanted to move from Arizona to New York and everybody was like, how are you going to do that? Like, how, how, how are you going to make that happen? And I said, well, I'm actually going to get on a plane and I'm going <laughs> to land in New York. And, you know, and like, basically then they're like, so then what are you going to do? And I said, I'm going to get a job. And I ended up marching into uh, the office of uh, Time Magazine, which was um, which actually owned um, Fortune and a few other magazines, Sports Illustrated, and I really wanted to work for Fortune Magazine. And again, it was in the Time Life building, and I thought, you know, there's a million people who would tell me, "Oh, well, you'll have to send a letter, you'll have to do all of these things." And I said, you know, can I actually go and? like go into the building and maybe see if there's any job openings. And people are like, you know, that's not how you do things. And I'm like, oh, well, why not? And, and I just thought, I don't know, I'll try it. I'll see what happens. It'll be a funny story, you know, if nothing else. And so ultimately, I, I mean, that's how I got my first job, like just being different, right? And showing up differently, which I think is you know, a big thing that I always share with people during this pandemic time, like there's this thinking like you can't get a job, right? Like it's not going to happen. I'm like, that's awesome because everybody thinks that. So you be that person that actually shows up, right? Because there's a lot of people that are sort of like, they put all their walls up around them to believe that it can't happen. I mean, I'm sure you hear this as well. And it's like, you just got to, you got to try. Like, I think there's no better time to build a business during this time because, you know, people are so afraid. The majority of people are afraid to actually move and actually do something, you know, because everybody's telling them not to. And so anyway, I think those are just a couple of stories of kind of how I've thought about it. Absolutely. I, I really love the message, Kara. I mean, just go for it. Like what, what's, what's the alternative? Um, if you fail, just bounce back and keep, keep at her. But, uh, from your perspective though, how, how have you been able to manage to get that thick skin and really have that resilience to keep going, even though in spite of failures and challenges along the way? You know, I think the interesting thing that I found is that it's, um, if you remind yourself every time you fail, right? I, I always think that there's so many stories and I guess it's the older you get too. You have stories of failure, but then you go, I, I never think that like the dark days really will last forever, right? And I have so many examples of that, right? And so I always, you know, this little, you know, doubting sort of voice inside of me also will sit there and, and remind me about, well, the last time, like, you know, when I built this business, 
and 2005, um, we also went through the financial crisis, 2008, 2009. And that was like a really scary time for people who were doing business. And I think like, I look at the pandemic and versus the financial crisis, and they're very different in many, many ways, but they disrupt, right? Sort of the norm and what's going on and lots of people out of jobs. And, you know, obviously there was, you know, not issues as much with like, you know, flight schedules and restaurant closures and all those kind of things. But I think it's, it's like when business changes and, and, you know, clearly for us, we saw some similarities with kind of what was happening in terms of, in terms of consumers, like cutting back a little bit or certain types of business cutting. So again, I think staying frozen and not doing anything during those times is actually the wrong thing to do. But if I wouldn't have had this experience and this really scary time from 2009, I think like I wouldn't kind of have the confidence to do some of the things that I've been able to do now. And, and I think like that is a, again, I think it's like easier when you sort of experience these things. But also I always encourage entrepreneurs now who are, you know, going through this really scary time right now to, you know, try and figure out like, what did you do right since March? Like, what moves did you do wrong? Like, you know, what, and even if it's just to yourself, like kind of having like, you know, worst case scenarios, um, you know, set up for the future too, that if this were to hit again, you know, like what happens, right? Are you manufacturing, for example, in the US or are you affected because factories are on different schedules all over the world and that sort of like really crushed your business and was out of control? Like, are you, you know, focusing on, you know, having a an e-commerce side of your business if you don't have that because you are we're so reliant on retailers, whatever it is. I think like there's things like that that actually when and if it ever happens again, hopefully it doesn't, but it will. Something will happen, right? And again, it it could be a financial crisis, it could be, you know, many other things and I think, you know, that's the thing that you you just are better prepared the next time to kind of think about things and you know, and how you move forward. And I, and that's really the message of Undaunted. And, you know, I feel like if I can tell some of my stories that were really hard at the time, and now I look back on them and say, wow, I've learned so much. I'm sure you have stories like that in life where you're like, oh, I learned so much. And maybe you have even told people like, here's the shortcuts. Here's what I would have done differently. Like, that's really what this book is about. And, you know, Everybody, people have asked me, like, is it just for female entrepreneurs and beverage executives? I'm like, not at all. I mean, the message that, you know, everybody from Jamie Dimon to Sheryl Sandberg to John Legend um, to, you know, Adam Grant um, have said, like, that it's a book that really takes you on this journey and gives you hope and inspiration. And, like, you know, also, I mean, the, those four people in particular were ones that said, like, we know the brand, we know you, but like some of these stories, we didn't even know, like you were living it. Like, and some of the stuff, like getting kicked out of Starbucks and like, you know, that was a really big high when we got in. That was a huge low. And what do you do as a CEO when you have six months worth of inventory, you know, that you like 
might have to destroy because you don't know what to do with it. It's got a shelf life on it. So things like that, that, you know, I think there's a lot of leadership thoughts and advice in there as well as, you know, just, just overall, I think, you know, the fact like you can pull through if you actually like just try and do better, um, as you go through this journey. Absolutely. I really, I really love that. It's funny, Alfie, we're talking about when the book comes out, it actually comes out on my birthday, October 20th. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it's in, it's in the wish list. Don't, don't, don't I you love worry. It. <laughs> but, uh, I'm curious how, what's, what sort of resources have helped you along the way? I know you talked about mindset and just really building that resilience uh, throughout your journey, but what's, what, what other resources have really helped you, um, become so, uh, successful in your, in your path? Yeah, I read a lot. Like I, um, I think, well, multiple things. I think actually it's funny because launching a book, most people don't actually write books while they're still a CEO of a company, right? Like it's like, you know, it's kind of a crazy thing to do and it's definitely, you know, time consuming and um, especially in a book tour. I mean, it's been a little crazy. Um, But I will say that, you know, the thing when I look back on on running a company and doing the book tour, I feel like, you know, there's things including like having a team, having a great team of people and, and, you know, my family and, you know, just the people around me right now who are really supporting me are the same, like, those are the same topics that I would say, like help you to actually build a company. Um, and, and then I, you know, I also don't, discount the, um, the value of, of consumers. And it may sound sort of cliche, but I, I really think that, you know, whenever I've had a hard day, I mean, I was on Facebook this morning looking at something and actually hadn't been on for a couple of days. Um, just been so busy and, you know, the number of consumers were saying like, Oh yeah, I switched over to hint. My husband had type two diabetes and got diagnosed. And this is the only thing that is keeping him away from soda. And so thank you so much. And like other people are like, oh yeah, you know, the water quality in my town is not so great. And I, you know, started, somebody handed me a bottle of Hint once and now I mail order it all the time. Like just messages like that. It's just, they're all saying you've helped me right? They don't know me like, but that, but to know that that's like a brand that I developed, like I, I still like walk away from those messages and, you know, I say thank you. And, you know, but it's, it's like a really powerful thing. Like, I think I was, you know, telling a college student a couple of weeks ago that, you know, I just said like, find something that you love doing, but find something where you're getting feedback from the customer because, and that customer, you know, can be, like people you like not just buy like bottles of water from, but also, you know, if you've got companies that you service or what, whatever it is, like, I think that's like, I just think that the feedback is so important to be able to get that, especially when, you know, the saying it's lonely at the top, right? You're trying to build something, bad things happen. Like, you know, Starbucks kicks you out or whatever. You've got these consumers that are like, Oh, I don't get it. Like you're, I don't know. Like I love your product. Like, and you're like, yeah, right. You know? And I think like, that's the, that's the cool thing. And I, frankly, I mean, it's the same thing with the book. It's like, 
you know, it's been, I didn't write the book in order to like have a New York Times bestseller or, you know, that was, I mean, that was not sort of, I didn't even know I wanted to be an author. Like people kept asking me along the way, like I'd be out speaking and they would ask me stories and I would, you know, the story about the camp or for, as a kid, you know, like running this thing. And I would just make this stuff up like, a, and I'm, I'm like, oh, on the plane ride back, I should start to write that. So I was writing for like four years, a lot of these stories out. And I, and it's funny because I'll run into people or I'll see on social media, they're like, oh, I heard you speak at, you know, the EY conference. And you were talking about the story and, you know, it was so funny. It's just like my story. And what I find is like, their story is not necessarily like my story, but the fact that they find this common ground, right? Where, um, where I'm inspiring them, I'm helping them in some way to sort of, you know, make them know that they can go do something. And I don't know, I just, I, I think that's awesome. Absolutely. Um, you mentioned that you're currently on the book tour right now, promoting the book. Uh, I'm always curious. Um, I'm sure you get tons of questions, but Maybe what's one question, Kara, that you never get asked that you wish you would be asked? One question I never get asked. Um, let's see. Well, I answered one of them. Like, did you always want to write a book? Um, no, like I, I didn't even know until a few years ago that I just kept, I think I kept hearing people <laughs> like ask me like, when's the book coming out? I'm, I'm like, wait, what book? Oh yeah, it's coming out. And then I, and then I was like, I don't know, maybe I should actually get serious about doing this. That's one. Um, I think what else? Um, I don't necessarily get this question or, or I don't necessarily wish this, but I, I often think about this stuff. Like I'm, I'm a constant learner. So I'll like look back on things that I've done, places I've worked. And, and I feel like a lot of people will wonder, wonder like, why did she move from tech to like starting a beverage company? And, you know, I think like, like, did I hate tech? Did I think that it was this or that or whatever? And I think for me, I've never really, I've never really thought about things as like, changing from one industry to another. I've actually thought it was like really limiting for people to think like, okay, you're doing one thing and now you're a, you're a tech executive or you're a beverage executive. Like they're so quick to like put you in this hole or they're like, or you're an athlete, right? Or, or I'm a mom, right? Like, and, and it's not that you aren't proud of those things. It's just kind of like, wow, you just like placed me in this box based on like something I did. And like, I mean, I'm sure you feel the same way. Like, it's like, you know, you're a female entrepreneur and I'm like, okay, you know, yeah, it's, it's about right. But it's kind of not like who I am or, or how, how I'm defined. I'm sure it's the exact same thing for you. You're a Canadian, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, they have this, like idea. And so I think for me, I always think about the, the fact that why can't people be more than those decisions, you know, that they made along, uh, along the way, right? That it's not even that they were bad decisions, but instead people focus so much on like, oh, she must not have liked it. Right. That's why she moved from tech. And I'm like, 
I, I actually did, but I, I, I view like, is that all I want to do in life? Like it was fine. It was kind of fun. Like it was pretty, you know, I made like, I, I worked today well in the early days, grew it into a billion dollars in revenue. I mean, I'm proud of it, but I also thought like, I've already done that. Now let me move on to go do something else. And, and so, and I'm sure the same with you, like you were an athlete, like, are you supposed to be an athlete for your whole life? I mean, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah, just kind yeah. of defining like that. And so I, I don't know, like, I, I don't know how to phrase that exactly, but I think it's just something that I think about a lot that I wish we, I wish we weren't so quick to, um, to sort of grab onto something, you know, that somebody, you know, they, you think somebody is, I guess, is the net of it. Right. Like people put you in a box almost and almost pretty much the theme of the book. Just, just go for it. Just, you don't have to be within those confines of what people judge you for. Just whatever you want to do, just go do it. If it makes Yeah. Sense. Yeah. And I think like that, that's it. Like I, you know, I really feel like all of these, you know, areas that we get boxed into often too are, you know, good areas to be in. Maybe they're, maybe not all of them, but some of the, you know, being a female entrepreneur, it's like, you know, everybody's like, ah, you know, it's like, it's great. And I'm like, some days it's great. Some days it's like, you know, it sucks, right? Like, it's like, you know, it's hard, it's hard to raise money. It's hard to like, you know, have a family and, and like build a business. Like, you know, it's just, that's the reality. And I think sometimes there's, things that are so glamorized too, that I'm like, yeah, it's all that, but it's also like some days it's really tough. Right. And I think like that kind of stuff, when Guy Kawasaki, um, read my book, I mean, he said, who in the world would want to be an entrepreneur after they like, (laughs) and I said, but I'm still smiling. And I think like, that's the thing that it's a very honest account of like, you know, that anybody who's been an entrepreneur will recognize what I'm saying is like, oh my God, at least she can laugh about it, which you have to, right? Like there, I'm sure there's things that have happened to you along the way where, you know, like you just have realizations why it bugged you, right? Uh, along the way. And, and so that's the other thing, like I always say to people too, it's, um, you know, don't rule these people out yet just because they have bad days because I think it's just, we have to tell these stories um, so that we have, you know, more innovation and more entrepreneurs and more respect for, you know, people who are doing it, even if they fail. Cause you know, I look at people who, uh, who are, you know, in Silicon Valley, I've said this forever to my team. Like I remember looking at a resume at some point a few years ago and somebody on my team said, Oh, you know, he, he had a startup that failed. And I was like, bring him in. I want to hear about this. Like I want, because I think if people can actually own why, you know, they failed or like, I, I mean, that's great, right? You don't have to teach them any of these lessons, right? And, and I think like the key thing is, is if they can't own something, like I'm big about like, you know, really being your authentic self. It doesn't mean like you're a bad person. I mean, maybe if you killed somebody, that would be obviously very bad. But I think there's so many things that are failures that people like so quickly judge as like, you know, they must be bad. They must be wrong or whatever. And I I don't know. I just, if that makes sense to anybody, I think like that's the stuff that I think about. Absolutely. I think 
I don't even like calling it failures. I like to call them just learning opportunities because, I mean, we all go through challenges and fit, quote unquote, failures along our path that as long as you learn from them and bounce back totally. and for it, I mean. I think that's so important to look at it that way. Absolutely. Well, I only have you for a few more minutes here, so I only have a couple more questions. Yeah. For you here. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you, uh, a lot of entrepreneurs and even myself uh, struggle with this, um, is work-life balance. Uh, you have a book tour, you have the CEO, founder of a company, um, you're just doing all these crazy things, awesome things. How do, how do you manage to find balance between personal and business and all the things you're doing? Yeah, I mean, I think... Uh, exercise and eating right. And, um, you know, and those things are critical, right? Like I think, you know, I'm, I'm a bit of a mess if I don't like get exercise in the morning. Um, like I really notice like I'm, I'm not balanced if I, if I don't do that, but I think it's also really finding what you're passionate about. Like I, I think somewhere along the way we, you know, we go through school and then we think like, okay, I'm just, I just got to go get a job. And maybe that's really what you like have to do in order to survive. But then I think also finding what you really enjoy doing every single day. I mean, I was talking to a woman um, this morning about, you know, she had gotten internships all through college doing, she thought she wanted to be um, in fashion. And so she was she decided to get internships while she was in college. Um, you know, she didn't know if she'd get them or not, but she applied and, um, she ended up, she was going to school in New York. And, and so she like found these job boards and working at some of these magazines so she could feel like the vibe. And then she like said, after six months, she realized that like, she didn't want to go into fashion like at all. Like she was like, that is not what I thought. Like I, I was like, you know, it was very cutthroat. It was very like, she just didn't like the environment at all. And then she ended up meeting some beauty editors and she was like super into it. And I'm like, and she was like, I felt like I had this time over like the course of my college where, you know, they didn't care if I came in, they knew I was going to school full time. So they're like, Oh, if you come in and do some writing for us, like five, 10 hours a week, I'm like, but that's so cool. Cause you were allowed to take your time right? To figure out what you ultimately want to do and what you were passionate. And she was like, yeah. And then I got out of school and then I was, you know, I was basically like, okay, I, I know what the job titles are. I know like all this kind of stuff. And she, they were like, how old are you? And she had only 21, just graduated from school. So I don't know. I think like that, um, you know, I love hearing stories like that too, because I think that that's the, um, you know, that, that is the ideal way where it, you can kind of learn on the job. Right. But I think figuring out ways that you can do that. No, absolutely. And no, I love that. Um, what's, what's maybe something that you're proud of that we haven't touched on in the interview so far? Proud of, um, you know, I think again, going kind of into a box, like, look, I started my company when, um, I had four kids under the age of six, um, which is not like people still to this day, they're like, Whoa, like you started a company with four kids under six. And I'm like, I did. And, um, you know, I think, and I think you talked a little bit about this or, or asked in the last question about the balance part of it. I feel like, you know, finding your passion is one thing, but I think also the stress of like, you know, being balanced, like 
I like there are days when I'm not balanced, right? Something's happened. Starbucks kicked me out, right? Like you're not going to be like, I'm balanced. Everything's fine. <laughs> like it's a, you know, it's real, right? And I think owning the fact that there's going to be days, I mean, you know, I, like I always say to people, especially when they've got little kids, they're like, oh, I'm just like you. I have, you know, kids. I'm like, my kids, they have different stresses. They're teenagers, right? They're college students right now. They're bummed out that, they, that they're not having a real college life, right? You know, and versus like, you know, having homeschooling a five-year-old and, you know, and, and when like making sure that when they are at school, they wear a mask, you know, or they get in trouble if they're not wearing a mask, you know, and again, that's not saying that you shouldn't wear a mask. I'm saying that that's a challenge. Like as a parent that I, I, I don't know, like, I, I'm like, you know, that'd be super hard. Like, how do you make sure your kid wears a, a mask in a sandbox? Right. Like, it's like, I, I, I mean, it's like another, right. So, so those kind of stresses that are going on right now in society are super real. And then you've got a boss that like, you know, wants you to be on and right. Like that, that kind of stuff, like, are you supposed to be balanced? No. Like, it's like, no, you're just trying to figure it out. And I think like the idea of being able to kind of own that and, and know that like not every day is going to be balanced and that we're going through this crazy unprecedented time right now where, you know, there's a lot of stuff to get figured out um, that, uh, that we're all doing our best, you know? And I think that that is like the, that is one thing that I think you know, is, is something that, you know, I've learned, I'm proud of, but I'm also, um, I would say that it's not really a, um, I don't know. I think I'm proud of it because I feel like I can, I've sort of owned that when maybe it hasn't been a popular thing to kind of own that, you know, like everybody's like, I'm so balanced. I've got it all together. I'm like, Usually I do, but sometimes I don't and, you know, and I do my best and, and I think like that's an important aspect and, and, you know, and probably as a leader, I think also, you know, what people would say about me as well that I think is really important. I love that. I love the authenticity. Just, yeah, sometimes I'm just saying that, Hey, I'm, I'm not balanced right now. I'm, I'm just doing my best and not just saying, Oh, everything's fine. Everything's good. Just having that yeah. Like how, those are the most interesting people, right? Like, I, I mean, I don't know when I talk to my friends who are all like, Oh, it's all good. Like, and they don't say anything more. Like I'm like, they're kind of shallow. You know what I mean? I, again, yeah. like I'm not saying my friends are shallow. I don't really have those friends, but I'm saying that if that were my, like my only circle of friends, like my friend, I mean, my husband laughs because he was like, the, the number of things that I hear that I'm like somewhat horrified that you and your girlfriends like talk about, like <laughs> that he's like, I mean, he's like, these are so like, I cannot even believe we're like having these conversations at all. It's not just about like, what diapers do you buy? Like, it's just like people, he'll like walk in and he'll be like, I'm, I'm leaving now. Yeah. I do not yeah. want to, right. You have the same kind of, con- you, you witness the same kind of conversation. So again, I think it's, um, it's being authentic. It's like, you know, sharing with your team that, you know, you're doing your best and you're trying and, you know, and I would say that that's what people, you know, would say about me on the team that I don't pretend to always have all the, all the answers. I mean, I wish somebody would write the rule book for stuff that on how you deal with stuff. And, 
you know, and I think you have to sometimes have your best poker face to say, yeah, this is going to be the right direction. But then when people ask me afterwards, did you know, you know, that you were supposed to be doing this? I'm like, no, I I had no idea. Right. Like, but I, what else was I going to do? And so I think like, that's, that's really something that, you know, I've learned and, and sometimes I've made mistakes on too along the way. And I think you have to be able to, um, kind of reflect and, and also figure out like what you did right and what you did wrong. And especially in today's day and age. Absolutely. And all those stories will be in your new book coming out October 20th. Um, where can our listeners connect with you uh, online or even maybe pre-order yeah. So everywhere, um, Kara Golden dot, com or on social at Kara Golden and with, um, with an I G O L D I N and, and, um, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely put a link into the site, but you can go to either of those sites. Also Amazon too has it as well. And, um, I'm really excited. We're in pre-order now and, um, it's doing super well. So, um, I'm, I'm, uh, it's sort of like having a fifth child for me. It's like when people are like, oh my God, like I'm so excited about the book. And like I read it, you know, the people who got like the pre-copies from my publisher and stuff, they're, you know, when you get reviews and and again, you don't know these people and they're like, oh my God, she's like my girlfriend that I like want to hang out with and, you know, and like, or I wish my mom was like that. I don't like those as much, you yeah. know, like I was like, <laughs> But, um, I wish my boss was like that or whatever. And, you know, when you get this, like, I'm not going to lie. Like that's, it's like kind of like all the hard work, right? It's the same response that I get from consumers on Hint when they say, you know, this is the only stuff I drink. Like, I really like it. You help me drink water, you know, like that. It's just, a, it's just like, I never really anticipated that it would, you know, be that great right for me or it, like, you know, I don't know, like, I'm not even sure why I wrote a book if it didn't, but I never really thought about it until recently. And again, the book hasn't even come out yet. So it's very exciting. Absolutely. No, and I, I've loved our conversation and I'm sure uh, you have more stories in your book for us to, to yeah. listen to. So I'm really excited for that. Um, yeah, it's been a pleasure to talk to you, Kara. I mean, again, thank you so much. That was so nice to, ha- to have me here and definitely, um, come and find me on social for sure. And I'd love to, um, stay in touch. Absolutely. And since this is a marketing and branding podcast, I'd like to end the podcast with one question. That's usually what's one word or phrase to describe the guest brand. So my question to you, Kara, is what's one word or phrase to describe Kara Golden's brand? Um, I would say I live undaunted. I guess that's two words, um, but undaunted. Um, yeah, I mean, undaunted really, I think is probably the thing, um, that describes me most. And, um, I don't know, constant learner. I'm constantly, you know, moving along, but learning as I go. Um, all of those things I think are really the things that kind of make me up. I know it's more than one word. (laughs) We'll give you a pass. (laughs) Yes. This episode of the CMO and Joe podcast has ended, but be sure to subscribe for more business strategies and tactics to help you create the profitable and successful business you've always dreamed of. And don't forget to rate and review so we can continue to bring you the best content. See you on the next episode.